My mom and my sister were huge readers when I was growing up. One of their favorite authors was a woman named L.M. Montgomery. If you're familiar with her, she's written a number of books, but the most famous being Anne of Green Gables, right? And so I, of course, did not read that book. But when they put the movie on one night, I said, oh, I'll watch a movie, right? And so if you know the story at all, there's not a lot of action. There's, there's this girl, Anne, and she, you know, she's, she's kind of different from most of the other girls. She's a redhead. She's, she gets in a lot of trouble. And she's going on adventures, and, you know, there's this romantic relationship with this guy. It's kind of boring and dragged out. All this drama happens, and they kind of like each other, and they don't, and all this stuff. And I was kind of like, I don't know what's going on here. When's someone going to get shot or something, right? <laughs> One of the themes that is, is drawn out in this, in this book and, and movie is this idea of a kindred spirit. Is that the phrase that she uses? Kind of like a soulmate idea. And for whatever reason, that, that stuck with me. You know, this, this idea of someone that you just, you feel this just strong connection to. You just get each other and you're, you know, you're just, you're just BFFs for life. And uh, in this series that we're talking about friendship, there's a longing, right, in most of us for that kind of kindred spirit connection. You know, maybe, maybe you're in a season where you feel kind of lonely, or you've had a kindred spirit, someone, you know, moved away. And oftentimes, I think in my own life, I, I question, is that really a real thing? I feel like as I've gotten older, friendship has become even more difficult. You know, you see three-year-olds, and they get together, and it's like, oh, they're best friends. They just met. doesn't matter, Right? But the older you get, oftentimes it feels like friendship, for some reason, gets, gets more difficult. It's harder to make connections. Maybe it's because you're, you're busier. You know, if you get married, you've got, the, you've got this, this other person, this special person in your life. And then if you have kids, and then, you know, you know, you've got a busy job. You know, whatever's going on in your world that just feels like you get more isolated as you get older. So the question I want to ask is, you know, is, is this whole idea of kindred spirits, is it just kind of like a fairy tale, romantic, drama novel idea? Does friendship really matter? I mean, as we get older and maybe feel a little more isolated, how important is this really? I mean, if, you know, if you've got your spouse or your family or how important is this deal called Friendship. So again, this series that we're starting today is called The Mission of Making Friends. We're going to talk about the next five weeks about the importance, I'm giving it away here, of friendship. Here's the breakdown. Today we're going to talk about why friendship matters. Then we're going to talk about how to make a friend, how to be a friend. We're going to spend a couple weeks on that. And then how this is tied into the mission of God. And again, we're going to conclude this uh, series with a seminar at Christ the Redeemer just down the street with the North Shore Gospel Partnership, March 9th and 10th. This author, Scott Sauls, is going to be there. It's a Friday night, Saturday morning deal, so just a short little deal, but I'd love for you guys all to be there. And he worked it with Tim Keller, a good friend of his, from Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City. So to answer our question today, we're going to turn to the book of Matthew to hear a story about Jesus. This is Matthew chapter 9. I'm going to read verses 9 to 13. 
As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Does friendship matter? You know, is that little longing in our heart to have a deeper relationship with a friend or someone to walk side with or even a kindred spirit? Is that a silly idea? Is it really, is it really all that important? What does God have to say about that? Well, here's what I see in the Bible and in this passage. If you want to make a difference, make a friend. The way that people's lives are transformed is through relationships. If you want to make a difference, make a friend. Here in this passage we see, right, Jesus initiates, a word that we heard Travis use. He initiates with Matthew. He pursues this relationship. He's the first one taking a step forward. And Matthew, we know he became one of the 12 disciples, close friend of Jesus, following around. And now, yeah, okay, it started as this kind of mentor-rabbi relationship. But we see that progress until the end, you know, the Gospel of John, at the end of Jesus' life on earth, he says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know what his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. Jesus raised these guys up to be like peers, right? There's this friendship going on, this intimate relationship with these 12 disciples. The acronym that we like to use is MAL, Model, Assist, Watch, Leave. Just meaning this is a way that people are brought up into positions of leadership. And so if you say, well, they weren't really friends, you know, no. They became friends. Jesus brought them up to be equals with him and then passed his whole mission off to them. Now, Matthew was probably desperate for a friend because he was a tax collector. In that society, they were were despised because they worked for an oppressive and oppressive government. The Romans had come in. They'd conquered all kinds of lands after the Greeks went through and Alexander the Great. They came in behind them. And Israel was just one amongst many nations that they had conquered. And so part of that was, now you guys got to pay taxes. And so the government would hire local people to collect those taxes. And so the local people hated these guys because oftentimes they were also cheating them out of money. They had some leeway in terms of what they would charge for the taxes and uh, to kind of make their own salary. Their salary came from what they would collect. And so they, in a sense, they could kind of set their own salary. We've seen the example, if you've ever heard the story of Zacchaeus. 
right? He, he gives this confession at the end. If I've cheated anyone, I'm going to give him back four times. So there's a, there's a piece there of betrayal, right? And there's also a piece of, of this kind of dishonest gain from other people, stealing. So Matthew probably wasn't super popular. And we all want deep friendships, as I've mentioned. We all want people in our lives that know us and are still committed to us. People that listen, Travis was saying, and remain loyal. And this is the first reason that I can see that friendship matters. It matters because it is actually what life is about. It makes a difference for people personally. Because as Travis was saying, man, I couldn't, I couldn't have said it better. Life is about, people want to be loved. We're created to know love and to have relationships. And relationships are more important than accomplishments. You can be super successful, but if you are lonely, what is it even all worth? Right? We see this right from the beginning of the Bible. It is not good for man to be alone. Now, of course, that's in the context of marriage, but I think that it just applies across the board, Right? Even in a marriage, you can, you can feel lonely, even if you're well-connected to your spouse, if there's not that same friendship around you. My freshman year at Gordon, I, uh, I had a great year in terms of accomplishments. I made the basketball team. I didn't get a lot of playing time. I scored eight points that year. One of the, fun, the, one of the, one game, one of the few games I got into, I broke my front teeth. That was awesome. Finally got in the game, broke my teeth. They're fake. But, sorry, I, I was totally shitting on there. Okay, apologize. Trying to focus on the accomplishment. I made the basketball team. I had a great year academically. I, you know, I, you're always a little nervous when you start, you know, college. You're like, oh, how am I going to do? It's going to be so much harder than high school. And da, da, da. I was doing great with my grades. But I didn't have a group of friends. And so I spent a lot of time just kind of feeling lonely. And so all that stuff just kind of felt like Whatever when there wasn't that, that relational connection. It's a personal need that we all have. If you want to make a difference, make a friend. Everyone wants a friend. Everyone needs friends. God's created us for relationship with one another. He's created us for community. It goes beyond even just a marriage. So again, here's the second reason. Why does friendship matter? If you want to make a difference, make a friend. We see the next phase of this passage. Matthew, so interesting, invites Jesus over for dinner. There's a, there's a party, right? There's an invitation here. Jesus has honored, he has given honor to Matthew. Someone that is despised by most of the people around him, probably ridiculed, people cursing him out behind his back so he doesn't give him a heavier tax or call the Romans to beat him up, right? Jesus gave him honor. This, you know, Jesus is kind of the hot new prophet in town. Everyone's gathering around him. People are getting healed. There's fun stuff happening. And he chooses Matthew. He gives honor. And what does Matthew do? He gives honor back. It starts with an initiation from Jesus, and then there's a mutuality with an invitation from Matthew. We see almost a progression of friendship here, right? 
It usually starts, someone's got to initiate, and then at some point there has to be invitation. Hey, you want to grab coffee sometime? Thanks for coming over and greeting me. Right? There's an invitation. Jesus clearly has more to give in this relationship, okay? He's the son of God, right? He's got a lot going on, but he receives as well. A relationship with God is not one way. Just as I said at the beginning of the service, we, Jesus does not bang down the door like a Roman captain saying, let me in or we're going to burn this place down. I demand my right as a Roman officer to come in and you have to feed me and all my troops. Jesus doesn't impose. He just stands at the door and knocks and just says, if you'd like to let me in, I'd love to come in and eat. And that's what Matthew does. He invites him in. Jesus is a guest. And this is the second reason for friendship. It restores dignity. It calls out the image of God in a person. It recognizes the value of that person. And it, so I would say, to some reason, it makes a difference socially. What did it feel like for Matthew to have Jesus in his home? Let's, let's just think emotionally about what that was like. I mean, the guy was jumping up and down. I was acting a little weird here this morning running across the stage. Okay, I was getting a little excited, right? Matthew was doing that because guess who's coming to my house tonight? Pharisees. Jesus. What's up? Right? You can feel it. All those people that have ridiculed him, right? There's, maybe there's a little edginess in him on that, okay? He's got to repent later. But you can see him saying, Jesus is coming to my house. I have value. I have some dignity restored in my life because Jesus is coming to my house. You can feel, you know, he's walking around like this. You can just feel his shoulders go back. He takes a big breath of air and, he's, and his head is up. Jesus is coming to my house. Ah, isn't that awesome? And the mutuality that's there is just, a, it's just such a beautiful picture of how our relationship with God works. We have to see that Jesus crosses a barrier to make this friend. Right? Two chapters later in Matthew, chapter 11, we hear this line. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. This is Jesus talking. And they say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, the friend of tax collectors and sinners. Apparently, this wasn't just kind of a once-off deal for Matthew. Token, here's my black friend. He was making, he was crossing barriers all the time. Until he got a relationship that was, I mean, people were slandering him for doing this. And Jesus goes so far as to have a meal. Now to us, that's kind of whatever. We meet people for meals all the time. But back then, the significance for a Jew was it was making covenant with someone. When you ate a meal with someone, you were saying, we're this. You were saying, like, we're family. The Jews weren't supposed to even eat with Gentiles, right? Because they weren't supposed to, like, mix with other peoples. It was part of the, the law. But here we see Jesus joining them for a meal. Ah! Right? And so 
tons of others are gathering around. It says that you know, Matthew's friends, probably the only friends he had, were other tax collectors and sinners, and they gathered around too. You know, the common folk probably here who weren't you know, maybe the best at keeping rules or didn't have well-polished lives. They were willing to kind of sell themselves out to work for the Romans. There's a lot of barriers in our lives that stand in our way of making friends. A couple kind of universal ones. Maybe, maybe there's, there's an apathy there. I've already got some friends. I don't need any new ones. Or you feel like, ah, I've, I don't have time for that. I don't have space in my life. I can't keep up with the friends and family I've already got. Maybe there's just a fear that's there, this barrier of initiating with someone. The emotional work, if you're an introvert, you know, to just go up and say, hi, my name's Brian. Yeah? That can be hard, okay? Fear of rejection, okay? You extend an invitation, and it's not received. You kind of get the body language, right? That hurts. Or fear of a needy person, like, is this going to be a needy person? Whatever that means, because that's kind of all of us, right? But we think that way, right? Maybe you've been burned in the past, and, you, and you're, you're, you've put up walls yourself to say, I'm not going to get hurt again. I'm just going to kind of shut some people out. That way I won't get hurt. And maybe it just feels hard. You just, as you get older, it has been a challenge. You just feel like you can't click. And then, of course, other barriers, societal barriers. It's Black History Month. At World Mandate this weekend, we had a, a breakout session on, it was called uh, A White Folk's Guide to Racial Reconciliation. Powerful talk. And... Um, I just, just admitting, it's always a little uncomfortable for me to talk about that as the white, you know, waspy male. My flesh is always kind of like, you know, ah, I just, I don't, I just don't want to go there, you know, like. But that's the revealing thing, because I can make that decision, can I? Whereas lots of other people can't not make that decision because they're a person of color. They have to go there because that's what they're living 24-7. We need God's help to overcome these barriers. And let's just say, why are there barriers? Because the devil hates friendship. And because we got sin in our lives. Right? Our en- the enemy of our souls wants us to be isolated and alone. He wants to divide. And so walking with Jesus, right? Walking with Jesus it's what's going to help us overcome these things. But just, we just have to know there is a battleground even along these lines of friendship. If you want to make a difference, make a friend. Right, even this idea of racial reconciliation, this has got to get social. You can say, I want to make a difference and I'll go to a rally. But if you're not willing to like go there and have some friends and actually enter into their world as much as you can and understand their experience from their perspective, what's really going to happen here? It's got to get social, right? And I say that not meaning in terms of like just society, but like social circles need to be changed, intersected. So don't get political as much as you're going to get social in your life. That is really what's going to change things in my mind. Although I'm not saying politics isn't a part either. Now in this book that, I'm, that I've been referencing uh, by Scott Sauls, he, he says that, that uh, there's three different kinds of friendships. 
that are not actually really friendships at all. The first is a digital friendship, right? You relate to other people through a screen. And in that, it's a controlled environment. You can present the best version of yourself, the best photo, the best one-liner, the best cool vid, the selfie with someone important, right? There's a limited amount of knowing there because of that control piece and just the nature of that digital world. The second one he talks about is a transactional friendship. This is kind of like you scratch my back and I'm going to scratch your back. Right? If, if someone can get you something or get you further in your career or get you into this social network that you want to be a part of, you kind of use them as a gateway. And then, of course, if that disappears, then you don't really need them anymore or they don't need you. Or there's kind of the one-dimensional friendship. This is, this is someone that, that you have kind of one connecting point with. It's centered around one activity, hobby, maybe job, and it's hard to go deep. It's kind of like, you know, if you, if you can get a second dimension in there, let's say you've got a friend at work, and then you make a connection, you start to go bowling together, right? Well, while you're bowling, you can talk about work, right? And while you're at work, you can talk about bowling. I don't know. That, I feel like that's a thing, okay? Maybe, maybe that's not a thing. I, don't know. I feel like that's a thing for me. It's like, oh, yeah, we got two points of connection. We can just talk about that stuff when we're not there because we don't really want to talk about it while we're there. All right. But none of those things, a one-dimensional friendship, transactional, or digital, are real true friendship, right? Where there's, there's this kind of mutual listening, understanding, a depth of commitment to somebody. And we've got to go deep with people to really understand their experience, we have to be willing to ask the hard questions and to, and to actually then listen when we ask. Jesus was doing this, man. He, he was getting in the thick of it with these people. Right? He's, he's having a meal. Even that act just brings the conversation out. And it's so interesting, if you do this, you will face opposition, especially in our country along these racial and ethnic lines. Jesus faced it with the Pharisees. Yesterday at this, at this uh, racial reconciliation, uh, what's it called, breakout, um, the woman who was leading it shared this story about how she had a black friend and their kids were playing and some issues had come up and uh, there was kind of this disconnect. And she felt in her heart like, I need to ask the question, does he think I'm racist? You know, this black friend of mine, does he think I'm racist? And she just, she just went there. And her friend took a deep breath and sighed. And basically said, yes, I do. And it's not, she said in that sense, she, she said, we need to redefine racism. It's not that you hate people of another race, although that could be a part of it. It's that you don't, you don't get it and you're, you're, you're therefore biased. And her friend went on to explain, basically, like, you don't understand what it's like to be black in America. You don't understand that you have a white privilege that you're oblivious to because you're, it's, just like, it's like a fish in water. What's water? Right? And that's where the friendship took, went to a deeper level. It didn't end, although that probably could have happened, but it went to a deeper place. This is what friendship is about, right? 
mutually sharing, actually listening, carrying the other person in your heart, carrying the burden, right? The burden that someone carries, you take that up as well. You say, man, there is something going on with black people in America. I'm gonna carry that burden too. All right, third reason. Again, if you want to make a difference, make a friend. We see at the end of this as the Pharisees challenge Jesus, say, the heck are you doing, Jesus? Don't you know who these people are? Jesus comes back with, I'm on a mission. Guys, I don't think you get this. I am on a mission. Jesus came for a reason. There's sick people and they need a doctor. He's come to call sinners back to God and to repentance, to turn away from this and towards God, to turn away from isolation and rejection and hatred, right, and turn towards relationship and love and acceptance of people. There's a quote in here from the book of Hosea, interesting, because it kind of is like, what is this talking about, right? Jesus says, the whole verse says this, I, for I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. Oh, and I read that whole verse, I said, I can't believe it says this. This is perfect for my sermon, right? Yeah, just kidding. God is longing for people to acknowledge him. Sounds a little like friendship, doesn't it? See, what was going on in that nation was not acknowledgement of God, but just offering of gifts to God, and then ignoring God and going on with the rest of their life and doing whatever they wanted to do and treating their neighbors however they wanted to treat them. It's kind of treating like God like, you know, the friend that, that tries to just kind of like buy some friends. Just, okay, God, you know, here's, here's, some, here's some money. Here's some stuff, God. Here's the sacrifices that you wanted, right? So now, now you've got to do what I want you to do. Because I gave you that. I gave you that stuff. God's like, what are you, are you kidding me? This doesn't work with friends. You think it's going to work with me? You guys are nuts. And he's a little more angry than that, actually, too, okay? Because he wants the friendship, and they're, they're harming each other. Your friends are not super impressed with you. They're not usually super impressed with what you're bringing to the table. They kind of know your backstory, right? And when you get a head that's a little too big, they go, come on, buddy, you know? That's not to say they don't honor you and care for you. But with real friendship, right, that just can't, that just, you know, they just know you too well. They go, Come on, right? They are impressed by your loyalty and your ability to listen to them. That is what they're impressed with. God's looking for the same things, people that are gonna listen and are gonna be loyal to him as a friend. Pharisees, they're, they're not getting this. Because they're just they're concerned with kind of keeping the rules and what they look like on the outside. Jesus is making friends because God's all about relationships and because he's on a mission too. 
He's looking for followers who are going to become fishers of people. So Jesus is on a mission and he's forming relationships with whoever will come to him and allow him to be their friend. Now Jesus is looking right now on this earth to see missional movements happen around the globe. And when I say that, what I mean is a missional movement is something where uh, rapid expansion of kingdom followers, of followers of Jesus is happening. Where people are coming to know Jesus and then they're telling someone about Jesus and then they're forming a group and then that group's going and telling these people and it's usually classified as a missional movement once it hits the fourth generation. Like this person became a believer and then they led a person and then that person led someone and then that person or group led someone else and when it gets to fourth generation, then it just starts to become viral and they call it a movement. And as we learned over this weekend from a guy named Jim Yost who's spent most of his adult life in Indonesia seeing these things and trying to catalyze these things, there's about 600 places on the earth right now where this is happening. And if you want a picture of what, of what that looks like, think about China in the last, I don't know, has it been like, 50 years maybe, when you've gone from very small number of Christians to possibly 100 million, 10% of the population, right? This is the third reason why friendship matters. The mission of God was designed to be mediated through friendship. Friendship also matters for the mission. You heard Travis's story. You've heard me reference uh, this, this study that we're kind of using this, this study that was done by some InterVarsity people. They put it in a book called I Once Was Lost. That they interviewed thousands of people across our country that, got, that became followers of Jesus later in life. And you know what they found? The first step, all of these people, was that they had a friend that they trusted, a real friend who was a Christian. And started a journey through becoming a little curious, stage two to stage three, being open to some change in their life, then really wanting to know lots of answers, kind of becoming a seeker, and then finally becoming a follower of Jesus. Now, not everybody went through those stages, but that's kind of what their studies show. But the first thing was a friend. Guys, if you want to make a difference, make a friend. If you want to make a difference for someone personally, make a friend. We all need a friend. If you want to make a difference for, for society, cross a barrier and make a friend. If you want to make a difference for the kingdom of God, make a friend. Make a friend with someone that doesn't know Jesus. Let's have the band come back up. If you want to make a difference, make a friend. Friendship matters, personally, socially, and missionally. And so the thing I want to close with is this idea. The way to move forward is to make friends with Jesus. Because friendship ain't easy. Well, all these things that we talk about, all these barriers. But Jesus first and foremost, wants us to be his friend. And he's saying, hey, I'm here. The door's open. It's always open. Sorry, the door's shut. We have to open it. That's what I'm trying to say. Right? He's always there knocking at the door. So I want to kind of leave you with, with two questions to process. The band is going to play a little bit of music. 
and then uh, I'll come back up and we're going we're gonna to take communion together to close. So here's the questions. The first question is, if this is your first time in a church or you wouldn't say that you're a follower of Jesus, a lot of this might have been weird. Let me just tell you, this is what the Bible says. The Bible says this world's messed up. And the reason is because all of us have something wrong on the inside of us. We've all chosen to hurt other people. And even through that, we've hurt God. or We've been mad at God, cursed him out. Even sometimes we don't believe in him. We still sometimes are cursing him out or taking the name of Jesus and making him look bad. We're mad at God. The world is messed up, but God loves us. And he wants friendship with us. He created us for relationship with him. And so when he saw that that relationship was broken, because we said no, we, we said no, we're keeping that door closed. I'm gonna do what I wanna do. I don't want someone to tell me. And we hurt people. God said, I'm gonna enter into friendship with the world by becoming a person, the person of Jesus who became a man, who entered the darkness of this world that God could have just rode off and spun the earth into the sun, but he entered into the darkness. And in that, the perfect man, the one that loved everyone that was always around him, who crossed every barrier that was around him, made friends with everyone, healed the sick. What happened? We killed him. Because we couldn't even take it. The hurt in our own hearts was still there. It was still there. We couldn't, it wasn't healed. And we hurt Jesus to the point of killing him. I mean, you know what God did? He raised Jesus from the dead. This is the message of Christianity. It is that there is a man who was also God, who was raised from the dead and gave victory and life into this world. Oh, guys, and anyone that says yes to Jesus can be a friend of God forever. No longer will you carry your sins or the judgment that would be upon them, but you're cleared of that for all time. That you would be forgiven, cleansed 100%. No more shame, no more guilt. Those things are not of God. And not only that, but you would be set free from the power of sin so that you could be a friend to somebody else that you could cross a barrier and love someone that's hurting. And, and, and not only that, but filled with the very Spirit of God that God would join you in such an intimate relationship that he would say that I'm in you and you're in me. For all time, enjoying friendship with God. This is the gospel. It's, it's awesome news. It's awesome news. So, hey, if you've never said yes to Jesus, I'm just going to ask you guys to close your eyes right now. I want to pray. If you're in this room and you want to say yes to Jesus, you can do it right now. You just say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you're raised from the dead, and I just confess my sin. Forgive my sin. I receive the sacrifice that you paid for on the cross. That's it. You're into the family. You're in. Jesus just entered in. And for the rest of us, I'm just going to give you a minute to process, God, who have you put on my heart this morning? Who is the person that came to mind as Travis was talking that God's pricked your heart for that person and he's calling you in this year to say, this is someone that needs a friend and I want you to be that friend to them. So I'll leave you to sit with those questions. We'll come back up. We're going to take communion to celebrate friendship with God.